Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 EdTech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. As we enter the third year of the pandemic, schools are still burdened with many after-effects, from student and teacher trauma and burnout, to lack of staffing, to continued issues with providing appropriate technologies to each and every student. The good news we have also developed both an acute awareness and several techniques to try and address those issues. There are several pieces of content posted to eschoolnews.com this week that point to those advances. Let's dig in. First off, Sheila Freed, she's the school health director at Avil eCare and a certified nurse, writes that many students can manage their health and stay in school when virtual nurses are brought on board. She uses students with diabetes as a prominent example of how that works. She writes, as school districts search for a viable solution to this worrying gap in care for young students, they can find an opportunity in telemedicine. Virtual registered nurses offer a convenient and cost-effective way to provide experienced, high-quality care on demand. Telemedicine services allow nurses to supervise unlicensed assistive personnel, UAP, There's our first education acronym of the 2023. When conducting diabetes management tasks, such as insulin administration, and providing support to school officials, and also bringing just a peace of mind to parents at home. This strategy has been proven safe and effective for students and staff. In a study conducted in rural South Dakota between 2010 and 2013, Virtual school nurses oversaw the administration of 5,568 doses of insulin. Out of those doses, only one error was recorded due to a carb counting discrepancy. She also goes on to say that parents of the participating students responded positively to the strategy, indicating increased confidence in the school's ability to care for their children during follow-up surveys. As a result, South Dakota updated its rules around school-based diabetes care to integrate telemedicine more deeply into its strategies. You know, having had a few telemedicine episodes but for both me and my family over the last couple of years, it's strange at first, but it really starts to become part of the, you know, your everyday human behavior. And I think it's something that's going to stick as a result of the, the times that we've gone through. Be sure to go check out the whole piece up on the, the news feed right now at East School News. The title is Virtual School Nurses Can Play a Pivotal Role in Schools. Next, Tracy Clements. She is the K-12 student safety subject matter expert at GoGuardian and an adjunct professor at Lindenwood University, writes that as classroom technology continues to evolve, educators and school mental health professionals can use certain strategies to help students navigate their digital world with purpose. The piece is called Five Ways Tech Helps Create Calmer Learning Environments, and it's also up with the top news stories this week. So here are three. She writes, number one, mental health check-ins help to start class. The short time between class periods is often hectic, with many students physically moving to different classrooms or mentally preparing to dive into a new subject. Hallway passing time can also be filled with stressful social interactions or glances at social media. Well-being check-ins at the beginning of class can be a great way to help students regain focus and center their thoughts. Simple online tools that let you survey your class, like Pear Deck, Google Forms, or Kahoot, can be used to support these emotional checks. 
asking questions along the lines of, how are you feeling today? Or what color would best describe your mood today and why? And allow students to respond anonymously can be a real game changer in the classroom. Tip number two, mindfulness apps. Helping students practice mindfulness or the ability to be present in the moment and aware of thoughts, feelings, and sensations can greatly benefit mental health far beyond the classroom. In addition to non-tech strategies like paper mood boards, mindfulness dice, or breathing exercises, there are free digital tools and apps like Calm, Headspace, and more that can guide students through mindfulness exercises in both a group or individual setting. Number three, digital guardrails. When students are using their school-issued devices, it can be helpful to set thoughtful guardrails or parameters around which web pages they can or cannot access during class. Certain filtering solutions or classroom management products can help narrow or broaden internet access depending on what is needed for the day's lesson. This helps students focus on the task at hand and reduces information overload or distractions. Again, I think we're at a point now where the idea of putting away our devices or putting down our screens is really kind of a thing of the past. The key is to be using these devices in a proper way and in a helpful way. And in that way, both from an academic standpoint as well as a, a social-emotional health standpoint, we can keep going forward. So it's a great piece. Go up, check out the other tips and tricks. It's up online, eschoolnews.com, up on the homepage. And finally, equity was a priority for school systems prior to 2020. However, the pandemic has focused attention on the continuing need to create more equitable education environments. The interruption of in-person learning environments has impacted everyone, but has particularly challenged those with specific learning needs. Students deserve the resources and support they need to fully engage in learning. And when you design for inclusion, everyone benefits. I had the chance last year to interview Marie Martin. She's an education strategist and CEO of Alexandria's World, and Sam Rice, who's the director of marketing for Microsoft, about some of the progress made when it comes to accessibility. Here's a snippet. When you think back to March of 2020, everything went out the window with a renewed focus on just getting students reconnected, right, by hook or by crook. To give credit to the industry, Microsoft and others just kind of said, you know what, let's whatever we need to do, let's let's get it done. Curriculum lifted. So I mean that was a one big massive push towards this idea of equal accessibility and digital equity. Do you see that sentiment staying now in, in your work with schools and, and, and with the industry? Absolutely. When you just said that, it reminded me of watching Bettina Love, where she said, schools said that they didn't have food, but we can see that they clearly can feed students, right? And right. Uh, said that they didn't have technology, but they found the technology for students that needed. And so it is about what, not necessarily what can we get from education, it is how can we create a space for everyone within our education system. And that means that we're looking at the whole child, not just, okay, what is your SAT score? What is your number? And it's, it's really trying to quantify a human and a human life and their own experiences. And what we have found, uh, even in the research that when I first joined Sam last year, we found that 
parents are trying to provide and the school system can now provide whole experiences for students that they didn't know before. And when we talk about teaching the whole child, we're talking about looking at their gifts. So many times teachers look at what's wrong with the child, trying to create something in a space for them to try to correct them, right? And in order to correct them, they have to get this test score, right? And they, and, and they have to prove that they're great on this test in order to to be validated or to get money for their school. Well, what we're seeing is we're seeing now, hold on, we can really take time to personalize for students. We can, we each student has their own gift and, and they have their own goals. And now we can use technology to reach out to families, bring them into our classrooms and reach out to parents and have those parent conferences that that Sam was talking about. That's something that is not leaving. Yeah. And we, uh, we can use tools like Translator to efficiently translate what's going on in the classroom to parents and create goals with parents, co-create goals, not just say, okay, this is what I need your child to do to pass this test, right? Yeah. It is about, this is, tell me what your goals are for your child. And I can see how I can support that in my classroom. And right. this is what I'm going to do in my classroom to support your goals. Now we have buy-in from the parents, we have buy-in from the teacher, and we have buy-in from that child. And that child is gonna do their best. When, we, when we're talking about the inclusive classroom, it includes parents too. And I, I know we were gonna stay, <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it, is, it is part of the classroom. That's one of the things that I worked on. And when we first contact parents, instead of telling them all the little naughty things kids do in class, we talk to them about their gifts and how would they like for us to proceed in developing the gifts and talents of their children. And that is what's most important when we're, when we're talking about technology, when we're talking about curriculum, when we're just talking about being a part and, and being a team in the classroom. You can go up online to eschoolnews.com and go under the webinar tab to hear the full conversation under the title, All About Accessibility, Enabling a More Inclusive Classroom. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.